0: Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Josh, and thank you for listening in, and thank you for inviting me in to your world for a little bit today to share God's Word with you. At Valley View Friends Church, as we are a body of Christians, we are many Christians gathered together, we like to say this about our fellowship, that we are a group of believers who are learning how to live as God's people. And we do that by reaching and by restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. Well let's go ahead and jump into today's message about authority. And here's a story to get us thinking a little bit about authority. There is a story of a governor of Massachusetts, Christian Herter. He was running for a second term of office, and one day, after a busy morning of campaigning and uh, not getting any lunch, he arrived at a church barbecue where he was to continue his campaign. It was late in the afternoon, and he was just famished, and so uh, the governor was moving down the serving line, and he held out his plate to the woman who was serving chicken, and she put a piece on his plate and then turned to serve the next person, and Line and and the governor said, "Well, uh, excuse me. Do you mind if I have another piece of chicken?" He, he was really hungry. He just thought, I, "I'd I'd like to have a little more." And the woman said to him, "Sorry, I'm supposed to give one piece of chicken to each person, but I'm starved." Said the governor. "Sorry," the woman said again. "Only one per customer." Well, the governor, um for an elected official, was pretty modest and didn't like to throw the weight of his office around for little things like this. But he decided, you know what, I'm kind of hungry and let's see what I can do here. And and so he looked at her again and said, do you know who I am? I am the governor of this state. And then the woman looked at him and said, do you know who I am? I am the lady in charge of the chicken. Move along, mister. Her realm was the chicken, and uh, you better not mess with her authority, regardless of whether you're the governor or the pastor or just a plain old customer in line there. Well, today, as we continue through Luke 4, I want you to take note of the authority of Jesus. Authority is something our culture is becoming more and more suspicious of. We're suspicious of economists, of weather forecasters, um, especially politicians, right? When authority is misused, it can go terribly wrong. But when it's used rightly and justly, authority has the power to transform your life for the better. And that's what we find in Jesus. Here's the big idea for today. Submitting to the authority of Jesus is where you will find freedom And it's where you'll find spiritual breakthrough in your life. The question is whether or not you will allow or you will resist Jesus and his authority over you. Will you let him in or will you resist him? So, today's story follows on the heels of what we read last week. See, last week we read about Jesus in his hometown teaching in the synagogue and And though the people were impressed by his teaching, they ultimately rejected Jesus. They wanted nothing to do with him or the authority he claimed. Now, Jesus is in another small town in Galilee, again, using his authority, and it's on display. So, let's go ahead and go to Luke chapter 4. We're going to read verses 31 through 37. Goes like this. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. On the Sabbath, he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit, and he cried out at the top of his voice Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are! With authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out! And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. The scene, the powerful story that we just read, Is in the synagogue of Capernaum. Capernaum is a small fishing village on the northwest shore of Galilee. We're not entirely sure where it was. We don't have a precise location. We have a general location. It's about 680 feet below sea level. We don't know when this story happened. But as we have just read it and knowing what we read last week, we're meant to think of it as immediately following the previous story of Jesus teaching in the synagogue of his hometown of Nazareth. So, perhaps this is about a week later, probably not the same day, but a week later. In this synagogue, the people are more receptive, but Jesus encounters a different sort of opposition, a man, demon-possessed, and he cries out in a supernatural way, perhaps the volume that we hear when we think of, when the, we hear with the demon crying at the top of his voice, perhaps that volume is a sort of authority of its own kind, whether good or bad. What do you want with us? We often think of loudness as authority, <laughs> but it's not. Just being loud, just being heard doesn't mean you have authority. The demon yells. Perhaps it's startling. Perhaps it's disturbing. Perhaps it does get the attention of the crowd and gets their minds off Jesus for a moment. But then Jesus simply speaks. He doesn't have to outshout the demon. Leonardo da Vinci wrote these words, Nothing strengthens authority so much as silence. And I think a quiet voice can be very powerful when it's spoken with true Unbending authority. So Luke describes how serious the situation is. He does it by stacking up the descriptive words of the demon. You hear this unclean spirit. This it's unclean. It's a spirit. It's it's of evil. They're just all piled together to describe this demon. But here's the reality: the demon is nervous, and he should be. His own little authority, which isn't real, has come face to face with the authority of Christ and Jesus commands the demon to leave the man and with a fierceness it does everyone is amazed at the authority of Jesus and the authority of Jesus it changed the man who was demon possessed he went from a life of terror of oppression of struggle to a freedom physically spiritually and relationally with those in the community. I mean, this man had to be in a prison being demon-possessed. A spiritual prison, a mental prison, a, a relational prison. And this short story, it's fast, right? But it tells us a lot about Jesus, and it calls us to respond to him, especially to his authority. So, I want to talk about authority here for a few moments, Let's begin by talking about the claim of authority over you. A lot of people and a lot of things wield authority over us. So how does one get authority? That's an important question to ask. How does someone get authority? Well, sometimes authority is granted Like for officers and officials who are granted authority to do their job. Like a police officer, you can think of that. With the badge, with the position they hold, they are granted the authority to enforce the law. Sometimes authority comes through expertise. Having special training or specializing in a field of knowledge can make you an authority on a topic. A specific science or a specific uh, bit of history can make you an authority. Power. Power. Physical power, strength, the ability to do, is a source of authority. Those who hold the most power often take charge, don't they? Authority is sometimes just simply taken by those who feel they should have it. Our culture is full of self-appointed know-it-alls, isn't it? And in our story today, a demon tried to take authority, the authority of the man he was possessed, but also the demon tried to minimize Jesus' authority by shouting. He tried to take authority that wasn't his. It's a, a bullying. Bullying. Yeah, bullies take authority that's not theirs, right? There's all kinds of ways that authority is given or granted how one gets authority. And there's more than what I just listed. It's You know, you, you can be granted to, you can have expertise, you can have uh, power, you can just simply take authority. Sometimes there's a combination of those things that give authority authority. But then we need to ask ourselves, well, there are all kinds of ways that we can give authority and grant authority and get authority. Well, who in your life have you given authority to? There's some very good people you have hopefully given authority to, like parents or mentors or teachers and police officers or other officials, managers, employers. There's all kinds of important people that we can give authority to, and each should be given authority with appropriate power, appropriate limits, and appropriate expectations, and they shouldn't want to exceed those. It's also possible to give authority to things, and that's a little bit more dangerous. We give a tremendous amount of power, authority to cell phones, don't we? To social media, to the opinions of a crowd. Wow. If you're not careful, you can give authority over yourself to desire or addiction. And you can give authority away without even realizing it. Or authority can be taken from you without you even comprehending what happened, because you weren't paying attention to that it was being given. So I ask you, Who have you given authority to? Hopefully, you've given it to good people, to good sources, and most importantly, hopefully, you have submitted to the authority of Jesus. And so, we need to talk about the authority of Jesus. What about the authority of Jesus? In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, we've been there for a couple of weeks now, we're presented with a chain of titles that declare Jesus' authority. When Jesus is baptized, that's Luke three. The heavenly Father says, "This is my Son, whom and whom I'm well pleased." And and then in, when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, the devil challenges that saying, "Well, really, if you're the Son of God, can you prove it?" But that it's that title; he's the Son of God. That's a that's a bit about the authority of Jesus. And then. Jesus stands in the synagogue, like we read last week, and he's announcing that he is the, and this is his authority, he is the fulfillment of Scripture. And now a demon shrieks that Jesus is the Holy One of God. There's all these different titles being laid out there that are describing Jesus' authority. Son of God, fulfillment of Scripture, the Holy One of God. And the people of Galilee, they are marveling at Jesus' authority based on how he teaches. Have you ever noticed that in the Gospels? That people, they hear Jesus and they're just astounded at his authority? Have you ever wondered why that is? Well, here's what's happening. They're not comprehending the full authority of Jesus as God, okay? They're hearing his teaching and they're going, you know, no one's ever taught like this before. See, normally when a rabbi teaches, they depend on tradition, on what's been passed down more than they depend on new ideas. So, when a rabbi would teach, they would present kind of like a list or an anthology of ideas that have been handed down to them. There was one rabbi quoted, Eliezer said, uh, he's talking about the dangers of new ideas and novel teaching, and he said this, "'Nor have I ever in my life said a thing which I did not hear from my teachers.'" Now the respect for tradition is commendable, but what resulted, The result was is that many rabbis taught by just saying what they've already been what they've already been taught, what they've already heard, and nothing new, nothing more. Jesus does not teach this way. He doesn't just give you a laundry list of what other rabbis have said. He's aware of the teaching of rabbis, but he doesn't quote them. And Jesus is also very careful. If you really look, he's careful when he quotes scripture. He uses it in just very specific ways. More often, Jesus teaches declaring, God has said, or he says, I say. And so, that's the authority that's grabbing everyone's attention. The crowd saw Jesus speaking for God, not just teaching what others have said about God. And Jesus does speak for God, as he should. Jesus is God, after all, though the crowds don't realize it yet. He's the creator. He is righteousness. He is love. He is the judge. He is the first and the last. He is the high priest. He is our savior. He should speak with this authority. Scripture is full of testimony and description of the authority of Jesus, if we go through a cu- just a couple of passages of scripture, we'll begin to get a picture of the type of authority he wields and why it's good to let his authority rule over your life. Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18, a beautiful section of scripture describes Jesus it says, the son is the invisible or is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. Did you catch that? He is the creator of all things. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. What a description of his, of Jesus and of his authority. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6 says this, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. But there is, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Meaning, Jesus has the authority. He is the creator of all things. Revelation 19, verse 16 says this, on his robe, this is talking about Jesus, on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the one who has authority over all Jesus' authority is total, it is perfect, it is good, it is holy, and it is powerful. And our text today declares that authority and challenges us to see if we will submit to the authority of Jesus, and then it shows us two important things about the authority of Jesus. The authority of Jesus opens your eyes, our eyes, my eyes, to spiritual reality. That's the first thing. That's, that's, we need to realize this, the teaching of Jesus in the story today that we read challenges the crowd and opens up their eyes to their spiritual reality. Whenever you're reading the gospels and you're reading about Jesus and you're seeing his teaching and his miracles, that teaching, those miracles, they are done by his authority and they always accomplish a specific mission those miracles, those teachings set people free. They glorify God, meaning that, uh, well, let me go back to set people free. They set people free, meaning the sick are healed, the blind see. It's a wonderful unburdening that happens but secondly, they glorify God. So, when Jesus works, when he teaches, people worship and praise God. And then thirdly, when he teaches and when he performs miracles, he reveals the spiritual world. So, we are often blind to the power of God, or we're even, we're even blind to the power of demons, really, the, 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 the terrible power they have. And Jesus' is teaching and his miracles and his authority pulls back the veil so that you and I can see the spiritual side of life. So we are often blinded to it and we need Jesus to open our eyes to see. There's a British novelist, David Lodge, and in the introduction of one of his books, he tells where he was when President Kennedy was assassinated. He was in a theater watching the performance of a play that he helped to write. And in one of the sketches of the play, a character demonstrated his nonchalance in an interview by holding a transistor radio to his ear. He was more distracted by the radio. And the actor playing the part always turned into a real radio station when he was in this particular scene. And so he turned on the radio and tuned into a station. And suddenly came the announcement of President Kennedy being shot. The actor quickly turned off the radio, but it was too late. The reality had interrupted the stage comedy, the play. Nobody could focus on it anymore. The veil was taken back. Something new was revealed. David Lodge continues For many believers, worship, prayer, and scripture sometimes become a nonchalant charade. They don't expect anything significant to happen, but suddenly God's reality breaks through and they're shocked. And Jesus, with his authority, his holiness, his righteousness, his miracles, he pulls back the veil between the everyday. And the spiritual, making us aware in new ways to the things of God. Will you let Jesus show you what God is up to? Will you let him give you a spiritual breakthrough? Will you submit to his authority? The second thing his authority does, that we see clearly in this passage, is Jesus' authority has the power to set you free. In the synagogue, as Jesus was teaching, and that veil of the spiritual reality was pulled back, it was revealed there's a man demon-possessed. Now, let's think about this. They're in a synagogue. They're in a worship service. They're in a place where people honor God. I wonder if this, if this man attended many times before and, and nobody noticed what was going on in his life. I don't know. But now Jesus exposes the spiritual reality and now he offers more freedom. Jesus' righteous presence and authority brings out inevitable inevitable conflict with evil. You need to hear this. If you know Jesus, if you follow Jesus, if you really submit to his authority, if you're in his presence, you'll find conflict with evil. Know this, when righteousness and evil meet, things are going to happen. They'll be revealing. There's no more hiding. There'll be conflict and there'll be results because righteousness and evil are incompatible. When you are surrendered to the authority of Jesus and you live under the redemptive power of His blood, conflict will find you. The old self will battle with the new. The sinfulness of this fallen world will stand in contrast to the holiness that God is bringing about in you. But healing can happen and evil will ultimately lose. It might squirm. It might make noise. It might yell a little bit like the demon does in our story, but evil is powerless before Jesus. That does make me wonder one thing when I think about this demon-possessed man in the synagogue. Why on earth does Jesus silence the demons? I mean, it happens again, just a few verses after what we read already today. Luke chapter 4, verse 41 says, Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. So, why did he silence them? Is it to keep his identity as Messiah a secret? Maybe. But Jesus is already proclaiming that he's a fulfillment of Scripture. Is it to keep the demons from disturbing God the Father's plan? Maybe. But demons don't really have the power to stop God's plan. The demons are loud, they have violent behavior, and they're a distraction. From Jesus. So perhaps Jesus silences them the demons so that people are not distracted and so that the people will rather pay attention to Jesus rather than these imposters of authority. New Testament scholar Dale, Dale, ah, New Testament scholar Daryl Bach suggests this and I think he's right he writes this one simple sentence, the testimony of demons is not how Jesus builds his kingdom. Yeah, I agree. Instead, Jesus asks for you to have faith in his authority. He wants you to see the power of God, and he wants you to be set free, but it requires you to put your faith in Jesus. Freedom and spiritual breakthrough happen when you submit to the authority of Christ. But admittedly, submitting is not easy, and if you're distracted by those voices of opposition, it's hard. But we don't always like that word submission. And so, Warren Wearsby writes this. He says, "...submission is not subjugation. Subjugation turns a person into a thing. It destroys individuality. It removes all liberty. Submission makes a person become more of what God wants him to be. It brings out individuality. It gives him the freedom to accomplish all that God has for his life and ministry. Subjugation is weakness." It is the refuge of those who are afraid of maturity. Submission is strength. It is the first step toward true maturity and ministry. All right, we're coming to a close here. I was thinking about that demon and when he says, you're the Holy One of God. And I was struck because the way you say the Holy One of God matters. matters. When the demon encounters Jesus and screams at the top of top of his voice, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. It's not a declaration of faith, but it's an act of defiance. Peter will describe Jesus in the very same way. Very same way. Sir there in John chapter 6 verse 68 and 69, and says this, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. See, the demon cries the same title, you're the Holy One of God, but he's disturbed, he's angry, he wants to be rid of Jesus. Peter gives the same title, you're the Holy One of God, but he wants to be near Jesus. He knows that Jesus is the source of life. I hope that your response will be like Peter's, saying, I, I know there's nowhere else I can go. I've got to go to Jesus if I want freedom. I've got to go to Jesus if I want spiritual breakthrough. I've got to go to Jesus if I want reality in my life. Maybe you've had trouble submitting to the authority of Jesus. I get it. It's hard. But you will not find freedom. You will not find life any other way. A moment. Think of that man who was demon possessed, and then set free. Picture the freedom he must have experienced after the demon left. I mean, he was unburdened. I mean, I keep thinking this. This image keeps coming to my mind of fresh air. Fresh air after being in a stuffy, stinky place. Fresh air after a lifetime of oppressive spiritual stench. It's a release from captivity. He gained spiritual sight being able to see the Messiah and the power of God. Some of you need to be delivered from a serious spiritual battle. Some of you need to be delivered from an addiction, a struggle with the past. There is only one Christ Jesus who has the authority to set you free. So I challenge you. Will you submit to his authority? Will you believe the authority of Jesus? Will you trust the authority of Jesus? Will you submit to the authority of Jesus? Will you choose to operate and only operate within the authority of Jesus? You and I, we don't need any more how-to tips or hard work or self-help books. We need the very real authority of Jesus over our lives and at work in our lives. You and I need real power, real authority to work on the broken spirituality of our lives. Will you trust, will you submit to the authority of Jesus? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, all too often we want our own way instead of submitting to the authority of Christ. I pray now that we would encounter a fresh Jesus. That we would see very clearly the spiritual plans that you have for us. Lord, I pray for those who are in bondage, whether it's to sin, whether it's to the enemy, whether it's to their past, or to a bully who's abusing authority over them. I pray that you would begin to work in their lives and bring about freedom. Pull back the veil so that they could see spiritual reality so clearly, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.